This is Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast with your hosts, Brandon Spinner and Michael Burns. Welcome into another episode of Barrels and Barrels, a bourbon and baseball podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Brandon Spinner, alongside one of my good buddies, Michael Burns. Michael, oh, how me. are you tonight? Yeah, that's oh, you. Oh, I didn't know you were talking to me. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I've, uh, I, I've got a couple of... Bourbons, bourbons in front of me here, and uh, I'm excited to really to uh, tell you all about uh, one special one. Yeah, we've got a special episode on the way. You probably already saw it in the title of this episode. Before we jump into that, I uh, would love to ask you to subscribe to us on YouTube. You're watching us, maybe, on YouTube. That's at Barrels and Barrels Pod. We're putting out extra content there, video shorts, baseball, also bourbon hunting videos, which seems to be the most popular thing we've ever posted. Uh, you can find us on Instagram. I tell you what, we post our podcasts, and I go bourbon hunting for five minutes on YouTube, and it goes viral. I don't get it. Uh, but that's the algorithm. Instagram, at Barrels and Barrels Pod. Facebook, at Barrels and barrels pot and on twitter barrels and barrels you can also review us on apple spotify stitcher anywhere you get podcasts really but we're also on google iheart as well as amazon podcasts please rate us review us just like we rate and review our whiskeys and talk baseball we'd love to hear anything good bad whatever Uh, and we have a poll in this episode on spotify so go vote in that poll and tell us what you think. And without further ado, I'd like to introduce our guests. We've got another interview. And the gentleman from American Mash and Grain, we've got Devin Urshaw and Chase Langdon. Or is it Langdon? No, Langdon. Langdon. You got it right. All right. Yeah, yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having us. Of course. Thanks for joining. Uh, we get that Devin's a Mets fan by his shirt. But Chase, you both uh, baseball fans? Yeah, uh, you know, both baseball fans, I, I would say I was a better fan in my youth than I am presently, um, so I would consider myself a bad Yankees fan at this point in time. They're all yeah, bad there's no. Yeah, what's the difference? Yeah. No, no. <laughs> he but says that the Yankees aren't on top and they're raining, you know, yeah. but... Uh... Yeah, yeah you, you can't kick a team in the middle of the table. We're nine and a half behind Tampa, like, like just... Leave us be. Man. Judge has a torn toe. You know, if Judge is down. Don't don't kick him while they're down. Our, our manager gets tossed out of every game. You yeah. just like he doesn't even want to be there. What is it with big men in sports and toe injuries? I feel like it's like every center in basketball. It's like, well, his toe hurts. You know, and now it's like Judge is a torn toe. Like, what is it with these big it's like guys? A new Achilles. Yeah, shield. seriously. Although uh, maybe more embarrassing. You know? <laughs> yeah, as someone who works in sports, I have an answer for you. Uh, physics. Oh. Physics. Physics, yeah. You know, the whole triangle of the foot thing, right? Maybe yeah. Just yeah. Not, Force not... equals mass times acceleration. It's just Oh, wow, Chase. So what you're telling us is we need to start doing some toe exercises. And Chase, what is, yeah, what is, <laughs> what is exactly. your role in sports again? Uh, you know, I, I mostly do marketing and sales. Um, physics. <laughs> I heard you were Sean Payton's yeah. right hand man. <laughs> Depended on the yeah, night. That's why I moved back to Colorado. Sean Payton stole calling. your playbook, right? That you had the green playbook that had all the plays in. Sean Payton stole it. That's exactly right. Um, you know, he, he did that after he won the Super Bowl. You know, yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> yeah. Well, Devin and Chase, thank you for joining us tonight. Uh, Mets fan, Yankees fan, before we dive into American Mashing Grain and everything about what you guys are doing, we are a bourbon and baseball podcast. We usually 
start our baseball portion with trivia, but we're going to start our bourbon and whiskey portion this week with trivia. So you're both Yankees fans and Mets fans. So yeah. there was a pitcher who played for both the Yankees and the Mets. David Wells. You gotta oh, let me sorry. answer the question first. <laughs> <laughs> Ask the question first, Ed. <laughs> we, we, we'll start over, and then I'll answer uh, so I can seem smart. So there's a pitcher who's played for both the Yankees and the Mets who is in the top 50 for pitcher wins for both teams. Who is it? David Wells. Whoa. <laughs> Great job. I, it just came to me, guys. <laughs> Devin, you got you get an answer? Is it David I Wells? I think it's David Wells, yeah. And Michael Burns, do you have an answer? Pedro Martinez. Pedro Martinez. He never he played, play played for the Yankees. Yankees. I know. It was a joke. Oh, okay. Okay. That's the Hilarious. joke. <laughs> <laughs> you got 50% of it correct. His name was David, but his last name is Cone. Oh, and he, oh yeah. I thought we knew you know the what? answer was I, David Wells. That's what I, I, thought we were, I thought it was. That's what I meant. Is <laughs> that's David what you Cone, meant. Not David Wells. David Wells was the, the big it, guy with the mustache, right? The big oh, guy. Yeah. He threw a perfect game. Well, so did Cone for recently. the Yankees, right? Yeah. And David Wells and Cone did for the Yankees, but David Wells was actually drunk when he did it. I just saw that on Instagram. Uh, and this is a bourbon yeah, and, and baseball podcast. And so there is your full you circle. Question about him. And there is your full circle. But yeah, David Cohn has <laughs> 81 wins with the Mets. That is ninth all time. And the New York Yankees, he's got 64 wins, but they're a more decorated and longer franchise. So they're, that's only 40th on the list. I thought you'd gotten Dave. I thought it was David Wells. Like you, the way you reacted, Brandon, that he got the answer right right away. So. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I, I, and I you know, you know what I think. You know what I think it is, Brandon, is that I knew it was David Cohn, but I think I saw this. Was the thing that you saw online? Was it about like SNL? Uh, yes. Because it was like Jimmy Fallon had yeah. like was like drinking until like five o'clock in the morning with David Wells. Right. Yes. And then and yeah, then and then he went. He pitched at one thirty and pitched a perfect game. So I think, I, I think I was, I knew it was David Cohn, but I had the same David Wells drunk trivia in my head. Just <laughs> on the same wavelengths here. <laughs> well, thank you again, gentlemen, for joining us. American Mash and Grain. You guys are a website. Uh, really, that's where you've started. Can you tell us how you came together? I hear it is on a kindergarten park bench. Yeah, uh, so I'll give you my best rendition of the story. Um, so Devin and I, we met in kindergarten, and uh, I had already been there for preschool, so I fancied myself kind of this old vet in our school. <laughs> school. I kind of knew my way around the playground. Um, and this uh, new kid showed up at school, and I didn't like him so much. And uh, we got into a bit of a disagreement. And uh, at our school, when you, you get in trouble, you, you have to sit on a bench facing all of the kids, enjoying the resource or recess, and just, just watch them have fun while you sit there next to the teacher. Um, Devin and I got benched together and uh, decided we, we, you know, we, we had a couple things in common. We, we both like Power Rangers, uh, big apple juice um, kind of guys. Uh, <laughs> And uh, the rest is history. You know, I've been, been great friends ever since. Um, and, uh, you know, we're, I'm really excited personally that I, we will be back living in the same state for the first time in, oh, my God, eight Come years. On, Mr. Physics. No, way more than that. We haven't lived in this. <laughs> how, how old am I? You're 34. Oh, my God. No, We haven't Jesus. lived in the same state how since we were 18. So try that one again. That's 16 years. All right, uh, 16. 
mean, just down and out. <laughs> 16 years. So before we jump into that, I have the most important and the, the biggest question you guys are going to answer, which is the best Power Ranger? I was a big Billy guy, Blue. I, really? I, I don't know who he was. I was really, and I'm pretty sure it was Billy. Someone, someone will yeah, fact check Billy. me and tell me. Um, I, I was a big fan of all like the nerdy characters. So I was yeah. like, uh, Donatello was my Ninja Turtle. Uh, Egon was my <laughs> my Ghostbuster. Uh, Billy was my Power Ranger. That's actually true. I never. I would have thought Jason that. or Tommy. Yeah. Well, you know, to be fair, uh, in terms of the costumes that we owned. Chase. Oh, I was Chase red. Was Jason? He had the red Power Ranger. I was Jason. I, I, red, I yeah, had blue, true. which I think if we're that. if we're diving deep into therapy here, that's probably why Chase liked <laughs> the blue so much because it was mine. Yeah. Um, uh, envy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, the problem with being a twin like I am is that you're never satisfied. Like, you just you want what other people have, right? You're just accustomed to not getting what you want. So um, that's probably what yeah, it was. especially when you're the twin. Uh, with Keely, I am. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I, have a, I have a wildly successful twin sister. Um, it has left no traumatic experiences in my life, so things are good. Yeah. Well, th- like I said, that was the most important question. We're doing therapy and a podcast all go. in one. Uh, but you said you're about to move to Colorado, right? Uh, yeah. Where have you been? What have you been up to? Yeah, so I moved around a fair bit. Been in New Orleans the last. Four and a half years or Nolans. so. What? I said Nolans. Nolans. Yeah. Yeah. No, we, I stick to the New Orleans. We, we get all the, the R's and everything in there, at least when I say it. Um, moved down here for a job. Um, you know, I was uh, you know, working for the Saints and Pelicans um, when I came down here. No longer with them. Great organization. Um, you know, my, my big regret and it's not my fault but you know the, the damn no call was you know a bit of a heartbreaking thing to, to live through um but excited to get back to colorado yeah and Devin, that's where you're at right now what brings is that where you guys are gonna bring american mash and grain all together all in one yeah um so american mash and grain started back in 2020 uh you know really at the dawn of the pandemic uh at that point i was living in brooklyn new york chase was in nolens um, and, uh, and yeah, I think my wife and I, at some point during the pandemic, we've lived, we lived in New York for 15 years. It's the greatest city in the world. I love it so much. I miss it dearly, but you know, we were paying a boatload in rent. We had a, a baby. So we had a little, you know, girl that was with us now and we were in the middle of a pandemic and we just realized we're not enjoying this city the same way we did when we were in our 20s. So mm-hmm. we decided we wanted to get out of the city. I knew Chase and his wife were eventually going to settle and put down roots in Colorado. Uh, my whole family is from the East Coast. My wife's whole family is from the West Coast. So we sort of landed on Colorado as a nice middle point. Uh, so mm-hmm. everybody would have to travel to get to us. Now, being in Colorado with no family and a four-year-old, I've constantly questioned that choice uh of being so far away from family but i can understand that one fully. yeah but uh no it's a great place and with the plans that chase and i have for growing american mash and grain being in a place like colorado that has such an appreciation for craft products especially beverage alcohol you know the craft beer movement is and was huge here 
Colorado has some of the greatest craft distilleries in the country. Uh, and, you know, it all, we also have access to, you know, beautifully grown grain here in Colorado. So mm. if we're able to grow this company the way we want and eventually start making product ourselves, which is part of the future plans, being able to locally source uh, incredible grain, you know, here in Colorado was important as well. So it just checked a lot of boxes. So I moved out here last August in 2022. And yeah, I'm excited to finally share the same state with Chase for the first time since we graduated high school. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, how, how have you guys communicated since? What's your prime? I mean, just cell phone and text? Or? Mostly digs. Mostly just like putting each other down. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's what we found out the first 14 minutes of this podcast. <laughs> you know, uh, I think one of the, the amazing things about this endeavor um, for American Mash and Grain really has been, I, I don't want to say reconnecting because we didn't lose touch. We've always been in, in pretty good communication, but like uh, we, we reconnected on a, in a regular communication way. So like, you know, texting a lot more frequently, you know, random phone calls, just keeping up with the lives. You know, we get to have uh, awesome conversations with people like yourselves that, you know, you know even though it's, it's not just one-on-one, we're constantly in these kind of um, video call kind of situations. Um, you know, and that, that was honestly one of my personal big motivators for, for taping, taking the leap into it. Um, maybe we, we pause on that conversation. I'll give you the, the full story later, but, um, was really just, it was the middle of the pandemic and I was looking for a way to, to spend more time hanging out with my friend. That's awesome. Uh, and that's kind of how Michael and I met was through whiskey and the pandemic. Uh, not in the same way where we went to middle school together, but we bonded on being Cubs fans. We loved whiskey and bourbon and we met and then I decided I was going to move away and take a new job. Yeah, uh, right, but, right, right as we became, you know, that or do we just become best friends? He said, yep, and I'm moving. you just scared me away but we won't talk too much about us we want to highlight you guys so you guys have a lot of these in-depth articles on your website and for listeners and viewers who haven't checked it out you need to uh and when i say very in-depth i mean we're talking you could probably publish a booklet of these and you'd have multiple different chapters of each distillery how do you format that and like how long does a process of that just take yeah I'll take this one, Chase. Um, you know, when we first started the website, I think we wanted to be a little bit different. Um, at least that wasn't, you know, that was important to me was to not just come out and do the same thing everybody was doing. And I think something that we noticed was that if you looked on the internet and you looked up some of these craft brands, most of what you saw on the internet was tasting notes, which are subjective in the first place. But mm-hmm if they wrote anything about the actual distillery, you maybe got a paragraph or two at most. There weren't a lot of places that were really diving deep into the background, the history, the process philosophy, and all of that that go into it. And I had worked for a couple craft distilleries at that point already. Uh, My first job in the industry was working as a New York City brand ambassador for Wiggle Whiskey out in Pittsburgh. Uh, So they hired me to show up and go to liquor stores and go to restaurants Mm -hmm. and stuff and do, you know, do tasting events and things like that. Uh, And then I found myself uh, working as a tour guide at Kings County Distillery in Brooklyn where I was living. So I had really seen 
what goes in, like all the hard work, all the challenges and the sacrifices that go into making these products. And I had also, because I had to represent these brands in a very specific way, I really had to internalize their story. And their stories were so compelling. And I just knew that, you know, there were other compelling stories out there. So it was Chase, Chase who has spent most of his professional life working in brand storytelling. And I had sort of accumulated this more whiskey specific knowledge. That's how we sort of decided to like, let's join our expertise and let's tell these longer in-depth holistic stories about these distilleries. Um, now in terms of the process that goes into that, Chase and I will spend, you know, a few days researching these distilleries. I was really motivated by, <laughs> this is stupid. I was really motivated by the YouTube <laughs> show Hot Ones. Um, oh, yeah. I was always so impressed when he would ask these people questions that clearly they had, like, never been asked before. Because I knew we were going to ask the same questions that everybody asked. Like, oh, like what kind of barrels do you use? And, you know, what, where's your still from? And blah, 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 blah. Uh, which are super important. And Chase will probably right. say that I make sure those questions are asked. But I also wanted to try to go deeper than that and really try to get at part of their story that maybe somebody else has missed or somebody else has forgotten to tell. So we usually end up with about four pages of questions between the two of us. We will, uh, we will hop on a zoom call or a phone call the day before, and we'll go through our list question by question. And oftentimes chase will, help me with my questions he'll be like these two questions are kind of similar or like i like that but maybe we rephrase it like this and, and i try to do the same for his questions and and then we tell the distilleries we say you know block off two hours because we're gonna talk mm -hmm. about some stuff um and for the most part two hours is enough time and occasionally it hasn't been and we've gone a little bit over you know i'm sure that you've probably experienced this and you're experiencing it right now with me uh, that some people in this industry are very long-winded. Um, but yeah, uh, that's sort of the process. We sit down, we talk, and then for a while I was writing the articles, and then eventually we wised up and hired a much better writer than me. Uh, her name is Megan Swanson, and she's the head writer for the website and uh, an incredible storyteller, and uh, we're lucky to have her. Yeah, your stuff is fantastic. Um, I noticed that she's done stuff i've noticed you've had some articles as well uh, i even noticed that you started implementing something that john mentioned in dad's drinking bourbon and that's where i wanted to tie <laughs> this in is this all came together this podcast um interviewing you guys because of instagram live i was live randomly on instagram on a friday night and Devin jumped in on the brand page instagram into the the live chat and i had a spot open so i just hit the invite button I started inviting people I had never met, never talked to before, and you accepted. So graciously, thank you. Um, <laughs> but you were talking, and I was just like, I've heard your voice before. And it was Dad's Drinking Bourbon, and we were able to make that connection. But I, I, remember, I remember that John mentioned something about Wikipedia, and you guys kind of being the whiskey Wikipedia uh, when it comes to the craft distilleries. And you've already implemented that little, like, I think you called it uh, the clips or the, the cut. The cut. That's what it was. 
Yeah, yeah it, it was really smart. And uh, something that we had, I feel like, had been dancing around for a while, but when John <laughs> mentioned it, it was like, oh, yeah, that's how we should do it. So we're slowly getting all of our articles updated to feature the cut. So right at the top of the article, you'll get all of the, like, most important information that every like super whiskey nerd wants to know um you know before diving into this seven page article <laughs> <laughs> oh they're really in depth and they're worth a read if you haven't checked it out like i mentioned go check them out and that's mashandgrain.com correct yes you, you said you were in the in 2020 um what got you guys what got you guys into whiskey in the first place you guys, did you guys' dads uh, drink growing up, or uh, did it, how, how'd that, how did you guys' whiskey adventure start? Um, I, I'll give my easy answer, which is Devin. Um, <laughs> listen, I, I, I'm is that a, a good I'm influence a, at, the, at the correct yeah, age? Yeah, was it a good I, influence I, or bad influence? I, you know, I, I'm kind of an equal opportunist when it comes it comes to drinking. I like everything, um, <laughs> but you know, was a big beer guy, big craft beer guy. Um, and I liked whiskey a lot, but I never really like paid that much attention to it um, until Devin started going down the rabbit hole. And like many things in my life, uh, when Devin starts to go down a rabbit hole, I fall down that rabbit hole. Um, so, <laughs> yes, yes, so I, I, I'll, t- I'll turn it over <laughs> to him to kind of t- the, you know, chronicle his kind of uh, falling in love with whiskey. But yeah, really, it's all his fault. Yeah. A lot. So he was all about the tasting notes, and you were like, "This tastes like alcohol." And... <laughs> I was like, "Like, I need a second glass before I give you my notes." Well, I'll get to that part a little bit about tasting notes at the tail end of this, but uh, yeah. So what I usually say is that um, I've always been a, a person who appreciates whiskey. Um, you know, when we were in high school, I know that everybody's going to like clutch their pearls about that, but we were drinking in high school. Um, uh, what? I know, I know, and then, you know what? And it oh wasn't, and it wasn't legal, and I'm here to say we're sorry, you know. Um, <laughs> what? <laughs> but yeah, when we were drinking in high school, you know, Chase and the rest of our friends, I would say, were much more your typical high school drinkers. They were drinking the cheap beer that was easy for us to get our hands on and afford. Natty Ice, Milwaukee Beast. Uh, you know, Keystone, you know, if, if we, if we were feeling fancy cores, you know, uh, and, uh, I just, I've always been a big guy. I'm six foot three. I've always had a, a pretty decent tolerance for alcohol and it got early on. I was like, all right, well I could drink 16 Natty Ices or, I could pour like a little bit of Jack Daniels into this solo cup every 45 minutes for an hour or so. And I can like be pretty good in, in, in a couple hours while we're playing mm-hmm. beer pong. So that's what I did. I, I, I was much quicker to pour a little bit of whiskey into a solo cup and have that on the side while drinking these watered down beers. And, uh, that's kind of where it started. And, but that's kind of where it stayed for a long time too. Uh, mm-hmm. In 2016 or 2017, I can't remember, my wife and I went to Ireland uh, for a vacation. We were supposed to go to Trinity College, but we got there super early, and we noticed that the Irish Whiskey Museum was right across the street. So we walked over. There just happened to be a tour that was about to start, so we hopped on that tour, and that tour really changed my life in a big way. 
Um, mm. I fell in love with the history of Irish whiskey, with the process of how whiskey was made, which before that point I had no idea. Mm-hmm. Um, we were super drunk for our tour of Trinity College, which was fun. <laughs> you know, I just have I just better. have a statue bust of Socrates just staring at me like very judgingly, um, and I was like, why? Um, that's a philosophy joke for those listening. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, uh, I spent the rest of that vacation drinking as much Irish whiskey as I could get my hands on. I really fell in love with powers, uh, which I felt like was a slightly better version of Jameson and, you know, really fell in love with single malts and with single pot still whiskey, like red breasts and writer's tears and came back to America and, just like Chase said, I tumbled down a rabbit hole. I wanted to know not just about Irish whiskey. I wanted to know about scotch. I wanted to know about bourbon, rye, everything. Um, found myself getting some certifications. I'm an executive bourbon steward through the Staven Thief Society out of Moonshine University in Kentucky. It's awesome. Uh, I'm a level two award recipient with distinction from the WSET, the Wine and Spirits Education Trust in the UK. Um, and like I said, I, I started working sort of in a peripheral way for different craft distilleries. After we started American Mash and Grain, I actually took over as the tour and events manager at Kings County Distillery for a little less than a year. So I ran that tour program. I helped them bring tours back in person to that distillery during the pandemic. Um, And yeah, I just, I had been working in film and television and just truly hating that so much and wanting a way to get out of it. And, um, and then, you know, all these little jobs and then American Mash and Grain, I saw as like my way out. So um, that's how I got into it. Basically, Ch- you know, pulled Chase in with me and, you know, he's become quite the sophisticated, you know, aficionado now. Um, so much so that, uh, you know, when we need to do tasting notes for the uh, for the website, uh, he can't help me because he's already finished all the samples before <laughs> we get to that point. <laughs> So. Oh, I was supposed to uh, taste these. <laughs> the number of times they that tasted I, good. The I number of times that, that I they tasted good. That I've reached out to Chase and be like, "Hey, should we hop on a call?" Or like, "Do you want to discuss these t- these whiskeys for tasting notes?" And he's like, "Oh, I finished those weeks ago." And I'm like, "Cool." And <laughs> Chase, he's making you sound like a real alcoholic, <laughs> you know, rather than an aficionado. I, yeah, you know, is there much of a difference though? No, you know, I, I think we're splitting hairs. You know, like one just you can't has be an aficionado without. Yeah, without trying enough whiskey, so. Right. One oh. calls it an art. One calls it one. The other is drinking. You know. Yeah. So you mentioned down the road, uh, the ultimate goal is to start making your own product. You have your own product out right now, but that is a blend. Borrowed page. When was first volume last year in September or uh, in the summer? Yeah, last summer. And Volume 2 just came out. Volume 1 last year won awards at uh, International Wine and Spirits Competition, San Francisco World Spirits Competition. Now we're on to Volume 2. What is the primary difference from 1 to 2 for those listeners who haven't dove into your product yet? Yeah. um, You know, when we first started talking about Barred Page as a concept, even before we had a a name for it, um, one, we really wanted it to be a platform – that highlighted and celebrated the the different craft distilleries that were participating in the blend, right? We wanted this kind of idea that 
Um, it's not just about the final product. It's, it's equally about, if not more about, about the, the different people who, who are coming together, maybe for the first time to create a unique expression of American whiskey. Um, to that end, that meant that Bard Page is always going to be different volume over volume. You know, there's not an ambition here for us to recreate or have some consistency in product. We want every volume to be kind of a new concept and a new idea that we're exploring within the expanding bounds of what American whiskey can and, and, and should be. Um, you know, with volume one, um, you know, there, there was a bit of, we didn't know if anyone was going to agree to do this with us. So I wouldn't say there was this kind of um, master plan, so to speak, about how we want to pull these pieces together. It was more just reaching out to people uh, who we had interviewed on the website who we really believed in what they were doing and why they were doing it and the product they were putting out there. And then kind of in this like blind faith that we could find a way to make it work. Um, and then... In, in, so you know, to that end, you know, for volume one, we had four distilleries. Um, we had two bourbons um, in one out of Columbus, Ohio, uh, for Watershed Distillery. They were actually mm -hmm. the, the, the first distillery to kind of officially agree to do it. Um, fun fact, um, Greg Lehman, who started Watershed Distillery, his dad was my wife's high school volleyball coach. So oh, wow. you know, a classic Ohio story, yeah. small town all around <laughs> kind of thing. Um, and then we had Spirits of French Lick uh, with Alan Bishop out of um, Indiana. And, you know, in, in, in true Alan uh, fashion, you know, when we talked to all these distilleries, we wanted to get a good representation of the product. And he said, you know, screw that. I'm going to give you a bunch of random stuff. I'm going <laughs> to test your pilots. I'm going to really challenge you guys here. And, and, and didn't um, I wouldn't say that what we wound up with from them was necessarily a perfect example of their Lee Sinclair um, bourbon, but it, it was it's an amazing whiskey. Um, we had Wiggle uh, Monongahela Rye um, out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Um, again, tying back to Devin's early days as a brand ambassador. Um, and then we, we wanted something that would really kind of, kind of push the bounds of what, what people think of American whiskey, right? We had some bourbons. We had a rye. It's, it's not that um, kind of revolutionary of a thing. But we wanted to pull in a single malt. Um, and specifically, we wanted to work with Whiskey Delback in their mesquite smoked single malt mm -hmm. because it was something that was going to be completely different, right? We didn't know if we could manage uh, mesquite smoke in, in, in the volume, in the, the blend at all. Um, but we knew for a fact that if we tried, we would be kind of honoring this overall mission of, of trying to expand the definition of American whiskey and, and, and just experimenting with things. Um, I've been talking for a while. I'll, I'll kick it over to Devin <laughs> to talk more in depth about volume two. Um, but, you know, spoilers, there's no bourbon in it. Yeah, I was going to get to that. I have the mash written down, three different distilleries, right? But four different types of whiskey within that. Um, what made you guys go away from the bourbon? Is it because the bourbon world is booming, but now we're into the, as Ryan, and we'll jump into that as well, is calling this year the year of the American single malt? Yeah, I think um, to sort of close the book on, on volume one, you know, I think Chase and I still feel... <laughs> Like, why is anybody saying yes to us for, for these things? But, you know, it really works. Um, and, you know, thanks for, for bringing up the, the awards that it won at uh, IWSC in, in San Francisco. Uh, but it really works. It's an incredible whiskey. It's big. It's bold. It's cask strength. Uh, and like Chase said, we really want to make sure that every release of Borrowed Page is different from the previous one. And I think... 
we started coming up with the concept for volume two while we were on the flight back home from blending volume one in Kentucky. Um, and I think what really kicked off volume two was that we agreed no bourbon. Um, and the reason for that is that, you know, we're, we're sort of planting our flag in the American whiskey realm and American whiskey being this sort of very vague catch all term for any American made whiskey that doesn't fit one of the TTB's standards for the, you know, Mm -hmm. individual grain products. Um, so you know, staying in the American whiskey realm, American whiskey has had kind of a bad connotation for a long time. Uh, a lot of people see the word American whiskey or blended American whiskey, and they assume Mm -hmm. this is a cheap product made with cheap whiskey, you know, blended with neutral grain spirit to create a lighter product. That's going to cost you, you know, $12 or $15 at the liquor store. This is not a, you know, quality thing. And there's a lot of reasons for that that I won't, you know, bore your listeners with, you know, post-prohibition and, you know, the whole changing mm-hmm. of palates in the 60s and 70s. But um, we feel like the American craft movement has already done a lot to sort of fight back against that connotation uh, or that mm-hmm. taboo nature for the term American whiskey. Because you have a lot of great craft products out there, craft distilleries that are producing American whiskeys or blended whiskeys. The couple that come to my mind right away are Stolen Wolf. They came out the gates with a blended whiskey. Uh, Few Spirits in Evanston uh, has mm-hmm. an American whiskey. And while we feel like these craft producers have done a lot of incredible work in sort of helping to change the connotation behind the term American whiskey, a lot of what you're seeing out there is really bourbon and rye blends. Right, you're taking a young bourbon mm-hmm. that's maybe not quite ready. You're taking a, a similarly young but maybe more ready rye. You're blending them together and you're creating a great product. And there's nothing wrong with that. But with bourbon making up 58% of volume one, and Monongahela rye being a large majority of the rest, with just that mesquite smoked single malt being that little curveball in there, um, pun intended, I guess, uh, for this show. <laughs> Uh, we just decided no bourbon was the, was the mission statement for volume two, just to, to push the envelope for what American whiskey is. So yeah, three different distilleries, uh, four different kinds of whiskey. Like you said, we've got, uh, two different rye barrels in here from mammoth distilling up in Northern Michigan. We have two different American single malts in this blend from Virginia distillery company. One that was aged in a first fill Oloroso sherry cask one that was uh, aged mm-hmm. in a first fill red wine cuvee cask. And then finally we have a single pot still whiskey from Talnua in Arvada, Colorado. Uh, so three very interesting styles of whiskey, uh, four mm-hmm. different whiskeys all together. And I think an incredible uh, product that is inc- very different from volume one. So uh, you've, mentioned three different distilleries are these all that you have featured on your website is that what you guys are hoping to do is use the not use them uh poor choice of words there is uh highlight use the the, partnership use the partnership but highlight the distilleries and their juice that you've already talked about on your website and put it together to make it something of your own yeah i mean everything for us starts with the story 
right? It, it's mm-hmm. kind of down to the core of who we are and, and how we approach things. So everyone who's participating in Borrow Page, both volume one and volume two, first started as a conversation we had with them for the purpose of releasing their story on our website. Um, in, in many ways, um, you know, we, we've interviewed a lot of great distilleries, great craft producers. We've told a lot of great stories. We can't include them all in Borrowed Page, but like, in many ways, for us, it's a way of figuring out, well, you know, what are they all about, and trying to create a blend that best represents, you know, their best qualities, and you know, using the things about them and marrying it with other craft distilleries to help kind of move the, the, the conversation forward. You know, it's, you know, borrowed page for us is, is just about just as much about trying to promote these independent craft producers and trying to introduce, you know, people from other pockets across the U S to, to different distilleries they may or may not have heard of. Um, and, and so we really do want to start with everyone who, who's in borrowed page was on the website. Um, you know, one things I, I really love about borrowed page is, um, you know, for example, if, you're in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, you're, you're familiar with who Wiggle is, but you may not know who Whiskey Adalback is. You may not know who Watershed was. And, and if you're a fan of Wiggle and you learn about Bar Page, you might use that as an avenue then to learn more about Watershed or Whiskey Adalback yeah. or, or Spirits of French Lake. And same thing for Volume 2. Um, and so for us, we, you know, we, it all starts with the website. It all starts with kind of the, what is the story? Why are they doing that? What's their purpose? What's their philosophy? Yeah, that's that's so with the, with the different stories of the distilleries and it all coming together. How this? Where's the story of Borrowed Page? The name? <laughs> you know, it's it's a bit of a journey. And Borrowed Page was not the original name. No, I mean I think um, it fits perfect. You're borrow, you know, kind of borrowing. It yes. Like so I, I totally get. It. I love it. I love it. Mm-hmm. It, it t- totally makes sense for what you guys are doing. Um, but yeah. No, we, we appreciate it. Honestly, it was a, a last minute switch. Um, you know, for anyone who has tried to work with the, the um, you know, trademarking and everything, it is a pain in the ass. Like everything is taken, um, especially if you try and go with one word names, right? They're, like I'm pretty sure if you go to the dictionary, 90% of those words are trademarked for, for um, you know, beverage uh, alcohol the, the commanders the washington commanders you know, washington <laughs> yes exactly uh, uh oh no uh, baseball we can go with uh, the guardians the cleveland guardians yeah they're struggling still well yeah you, you're right but you know they were the the roller derby team no one checked the trademarking ahead of time so you know they ra- wound up with that payout um see so we can do a trademarking baseball reference this is about as good as i can get for um no so the, the original working uh name was going to be anthology Right, it was all part of this kind of serial storytelling motif. We wanted to, to lean on on something from the the storytelling um, mm-hmm. kind of um, thematic, uh, and to the point like we submitted the trademark, we, we were calling it like we, we were fully committed on that, and, and we ended up um, getting a, a law firm to help finalize the trademarking um, and really push through the, the licensing that we need. And it, it came out that um, some big company had a wine named Anthology. There, it's probably defensible that you know it's wine, it's not whiskey, but it's a it's a litigious organization. So you know you'd have to spend some money to, to try and protect it. I'm I might be exaggerating, but not by much. We probably submitted a hundred names um, really? to to try and get it. Um, and does and that then, cost money every time? To I submit? mean, not well. It costs it not costs every time. hours with the lawyer. You know, uh, the lawyers. <laughs> yeah. 
hey, by, by the hour. Um, and, and honestly, the process kind of just it, it it beat us down, um, and to the point that like we wound up on a name that like we didn't love it, but it was good enough, um, which was forward. Not like like the like the forward of a book. So like using the the, the bottle as kind of like an introductory story to these these um, distilleries. So um, it, you know a bit heady perhaps, but like that's what we were working with. And then we submitted the, the trademark and it was all looking good. And then um, I was kind of like I just I did, it didn't sit well with me. And I was out at a bar in New Orleans, Cooter Browns. If anyone's in New Orleans bar, you know in New Orleans listening to this, that's the bar I was at. Talking to our, our head writer Megan Swanson, I was just like. What about borrowed page? Just kind of shot in the dark. Text Devin at the bar. We've already fully submitted for the trademarking on forward at this point. And he's like, yeah, I like that better. And we just pivoted 180, made the label. Which I think we we have. I think we have the trademark for forward still. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe that's when you start creating your own stuff. I don't know. I mean, none of us really liked it that much. Yeah, we're not going to do forward. But, um, but someone else might, and they're going to come to you to buy it from you. So that's the investment right there still. They, they tell yeah, us if, a good If story. you want to make an offer on the forward trademark, info at mashinggrain.com. Uh, we're currently receiving offers. Again, and forward spelled like forward of a book. But it's like also like moving yeah. the story of American whiskey forward. It was like, yeah, it was too heady for sure. If you get if you tell if you, if you give us a good story, we'll give it to you for free. I'm saying that right now. Chase is gonna shoot laser beams. Yeah, yeah, there it is. The best story gets the trademark. The uh, we story. should probably confirm that we actually have legal right to that trademark before we make a verbal agreement or verbal offer. So, what about the the label on the bottle itself? How did you guys come to that? I love the label. Yeah, um, cool. I'll start, and then Chase, I'll let you take it over because you really you did so much for this label, yeah. but. Um, you know, so we have borrow page. I knew we wanted it to stand out. That's why we have it sort of, uh, is it embossed? It's embossed, right? When it's sort of lifted up off the thing, debossed when it's in, mm-hmm. uh, that's why it's embossed with the gold foil on it. So it really popped. We knew we wanted to have the, um, the distilleries logos front and center for the, for the full format bottle. That is the case. So you can see like for volume one here everybody's logos right here on the front of the label for the 375s that we came out with for the for volume two they are sort of relegated to the back just because of space issues um calling us out for the 375 milliliter (laughs) (laughs) but uh but yeah it's uh you know we were working with it we we wanted it to have that sort of like torn page look to it which is why it sort of has that you know, kind of ripped mm-hmm. edges thing. Um, and we knew we wanted it to have a little bit of texture, but there was definitely something missing. And then Chase had this incredible idea uh, to really make that label pop. So I'll let him finish that off. Yeah. So, I mean, again, it's one of those things you spend a lot of time thinking about concepts, looking at options. And then like when it clicks, it just, everything kind of falls in line. You're off to the races and you're like, why the hell did we spend so much time looking at bad ideas um, (laughs) first? Um, So the kind of the the concept um, is that we are a, you know, a platform that wants to celebrate craft whiskey and elevate the profile of craft whiskey to that end. um, We wanted something that, the, the label that, that kind of represented craft and nature. So I, I like this idea of hand-drawn, 
right? Something that's not machine proof, sterile, kind of every right angles clean. Like it, I, I do like that aesthetic, but it's not necessarily craft as I think about it. Um, there's, there's an element of something that's an idea that's still being kind of put together. That's a little bit incomplete, but kind of beautiful in the endeavor of, of making it a complete picture. So I really wanted this uh, hand drawn um, kind of idea to, to come to life. Um, ultimately, I, I spent a lot of time looking for artists, um, went on Upwork, talked to a lot of people. Uh, I like this kind of sketchy single line, almost kind of kind of nature to it. Um, and finally, I found this artist named, named Josh Duncan, who was doing just amazing kind of ink drawings, simple line work. And he, he was here in New Orleans. And I just, I shot him an email with kind of a, a concept um, about, you know, different kind of whiskey motifs. Ultimately, what we landed on for the bottle is is uh, kind of a, a drawing representation of the life cycle of creating whiskey, right? To create craft whiskey, it takes farmers, it takes distillers, you know, you know it, the fermentation process, it takes warehouse managers with the barrels, you know, so you really get kind of the alpha and omega um, in this kind of drawn way. Um, but it's not fully rendered. And I, I like that because in many ways, craft whiskeys, it's, it's still everyone who we, who we talk to is still refining their process. Mm -hmm. They're still looking for new ways to push the boundaries. No one has just a recipe that's like, all right, our goal today is just make um, as much of this one thing as possible. It is still very much about trying to move the conversation forward. So I kind of like that ske uh, sketchy uh, nature of it. Yeah, it's, it jumps out right away. I, I will say that. Like if I walked up to a, a grocery store shelf or a liquor store shelf and saw this on it, that jumps out more than just your normal straight cut, bold face lines. This has something that has character to it that draws your eye to it. And it's fantastic. Uh, now, I saw on a YouTube video, there's <laughs> a sticker on here and there's a special part to that sticker. Correct. A bit yeah, of an Easter egg under there, yeah. I don't want to ruin the sticker, though, guys. It, it's all part of the marketing genius of the company. <laughs> it has nothing to do with TTB regulations and, and general impatience to get legal approval on a label. While you're so, while you're gingerly okay, taking that picture, that sticker off, I'll say to you to like, I mean, the sketch is is perfect. Like Chase says, it sort of starts on the left hand side with the grains growing, and then you've got this big fermenter i love that you just have this sort of shadowy distiller that's kind of ambiguous and you know you've got this sort of pot column hybrid thing all of it is like this could be anybody on this label right this could be anybody mm -hmm. anywhere making this whiskey um and and you'll notice too like a textural element the borrowed page is is embossed but the drawing mm -hmm. is debossed it's actually pressed into the paper um, so it gives it a little extra texture, but it also, uh, sort of tells a story that like, this is the backbone. This is, this mm -hmm. is everything that went behind the whiskey that you're about to have. And then of course the whiskey in the bottle is the final part of it. So. And speaking of that whiskey in the bottle, you blended this with a special person. Yeah. That's called a segue. Yeah, there you go. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and it's that one dude, Ryan. Uh, who is massively famous on TikTok and on Instagram when it comes to the whiskey and bourbon world. Most of you listening who are whiskey aficionados or just love whiskey and are on either one of those platforms, you know who he is. So how did you get a hold of Ryan? How did 
he come to you guys? How did that all work? I remember an Instagram Live a couple of weeks ago, but I don't remember the answers, and I want our listeners to have the answers, too. <laughs> um, so part of the cool thing about Borrowed Page is that we're going to bring in a new guest blender for each release as well. So not only is every release of Borrowed Page going to be working with different distilleries that we've previously featured on the website, blending different styles of whiskey together, we're also going to bring in a new guest blender for each release so that we are expanding the perspective and flavor profile and, and you know, also expanding the story of craft whiskey, right? Because uh, the distillers are only one part of it. They're an incredibly big part of it. But there's influencers. There's, uh, you know, Ann Demick helped us with volume one. She uh, had worked at Wild Turkey before. She had worked at Watershed. She now works for Ohio Liquor. We're talking with a number of other industry professionals to try to bring them in um, to be guest blenders for future releases. So it's also just expanding the you know the audience and the 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 realm of the craft whiskey movement by bringing in these other perspectives. With Ryan, um, he was just such a big supporter of Volume One. Uh, I had sent him. I, I had seen this article on from Uproxx that was about like, you know, the top ten or whatever whiskey influencers that you need to know. Hmm. Yeah. And on there is obviously it's like the you know the whiskey gal and urban bourbonist and hood sommelier and that one dude Ryan. So basically, I took that entire list, reached out to all of them, was like, let me send you samples. And because we were still very new and still are very new to this business, I sent them all like little 100 ml samples of the of the product. Uh, and so obviously I hadn't even done my due diligence. Droppers. Yeah, I hadn't even done my due diligence to see that what Ryan does is his you know what he's famous for is the whole slam and sips thing. And obviously he's not going to slam and sip a 100 ml bo- you know bottle of whiskey, but. Um, he reached out after although ryan if you're listening spoof segment idea you know you should actually try <laughs> yeah, to do that it's gonna shatter <laughs> well he's shattered plenty of stuff you know already so oh he is yeah that's part of it but uh yeah he you know he reached out when he got it and he was super complimentary he really loved the whiskey uh he's down in florida and he's a part of a lot of different culinary groups and whiskey groups in florida and I think he really tried to stretch that 100 ml sample as deep as he could. He shared it with a lot of people. So I just really appreciated that. I thought that was super cool of him to do that. So we got up the courage. We sent him a 100 ml or a, a full size bottle, I should say. <laughs> we gave him the warning that there was a manufacturer issue with the toppers uh, for volume one. Tappy forgot to glue <laughs> the wood to the cork. So I'll actually show that off because I think. Yeah, there you go. So that happens a lot. That's the worst. Um, It's, you know, for our first whiskey to go out there and to be getting a lot of DMs and emails about the cork was like, didn't feel great. My cork stuck. Um, Uh, We got roasted by Fred Minnick over it. Uh, It's just uh, such a a garbage thing. It's it's such a distraction, right, from what we're trying to do here. Right, but he was talking about you. He was talking about you. Exactly. That's what I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Good, still, <laughs> yeah. still publicity. Well, and he, you know, yeah, he yeah. was definitely one to remind us of that, of how important that was, that he was talking about us. Uh, so. I just want to super glue at home. <laughs> I did. I, 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 I told, I told. I, I had to do it to Maker's Mark. I told Ryan, I was like, 
like if you try to do a slam and sip of this bottle, like you're gonna rip that cork off. I know it. Like, can you please super glue that before you do it? He was nice enough to like super glue the cork so that it wouldn't break apart when he did the review. Uh, but yeah, you know, we saw a nice little response um, after he did slams and sips, and you know, we were getting started on volume two. So I just reached out to him and was like, "Do you want to be a part a part of this next release?" and we were lucky enough that he said yes very enthusiastically. That's, That's fantastic fun. and awesome. Now, we have a bottle, uh, and part of our podcast is we do reviews. We do a rating scale. Uh, do you have some with you as well, Chase? Yeah. I have one and two. I, I don't. I'm, he drank I'm, it all up. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I shouldn't have asked. I shouldn't have asked. But, but for good purpose, because I'm moving and I can't move all my whiskey, so I'm, I'm actually drinking through my whole bar. So well, it's. I'm surprised there is a bar from the <laughs> stories it's, we've it's heard. It's full of empty bottles right now. <laughs> I can't see so well. But yeah, they are. Uh, so we're going to give this a little bit of a nose. Our, our review, um, what we like <clears> to say is we give our honest opinion. So we like it. We like it. We don't like it. We don't like it. Uh, I call Michael the Axe Man because what we do is we have our own baseball rating scale where there's Hall of Fame. It's the top of the top. We have yet to rate a bourbon or a whiskey a Hall of Famer. So, like, that's, like, really high praise, and we've never done that. Next comes All-Star, right? Every team's got All-Stars on it. They're the best players on the team. Maybe not necessarily a Hall of Famer, but the potential to become one uh, down the road. Next behind that is an everyday player. Baseball teams have players that are always in the lineup. That's a bottle that's always on your shelf, right? That's one that you're going to see it. You're going to want that. Once you finish it, you're going to grab another one. The difference between all-star and everyday player, though, is all-star you might keep to yourself. The everyday player is good enough, but you're still going to share it with friends. The all-star, you're going to milk that bottle. Especially Michael. Michael likes to just poured his stuff. Michael no. likes to milk all-stars. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> milk all-stars. <laughs> <laughs> you can milk anything with nipples, Greg. So the, so the, next, le- so the next level after everyday player uh, is, is a bench player, which in our, what we try to say is not necessarily bad. Every, you know, there's a, each, each one has a tool. It could be a dessert bourbon. It could be a des- you know, something like that that has a special, unique flavor. But maybe not something that you're going to destroy on a daily basis, or you know, a bottle that you're going to savor. Um, but like still, one that hitter. has a unique, yeah, yeah pinch, pinch hitter, hitter or a guy who comes in and plays once or twice a week. Like Michael said, not everything that you're going to all the time. But when you want to mix things up, that's what you're pouring. And then final is a designate for assignment. And in baseball, that means we, you're Gary Sanchez. Get out of here. We <laughs> we don't want you on our team. So we've done some, we did our homework beforehand. Normally we don't do this. Normally we taste it and nose it as we're on the episode. But that, That's a pretty bold strategy. <laughs> it is. And we've had the, some blinds sent to us too where we're, when we do it blind on the, on the, on the recording. And uh, we've, we've turned out, well, I think I'm, I'm pretty proud of ourselves, of our, of our nose and palates. Yeah, it, that's, those are fun to do just because you're like, what am I getting here? Like, is there smoke to this? Is there this? But right off the bat on the nose, I thought green apple. That was the first thing I said. And I thought peated. Like, I don't think this is peated, right? I know there's American single malt, but there's no peatiness to this. This is volume like, one or volume two that you got? This is volume two. Yeah, no, so no smoke the one here. with Ryan. So there, there was a peatiness to the nose to me. Um, I, what did you get, Michael? 
Um, I immediately was smacked with like a walnut or like a walnut. I, I, I'm not good with my classification of nuts. Um, I just know it smells like nuts a little bit. You know, walnuts or almonds, one of the two. But uh, <laughs> that one down so for Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> not, not good with my classification of nuts got it <laughs> yes but that's what I, I immediately got like an almond or a walnut or or I, a little bit like um my wife loves to leave bananas on the on the counter that rot then eventually to make banana bread so we constantly have that smell and that's what i got strong first on on that nose a rotten banana um, no, it's, it's banana very bread. sugary sweet my wife also <clears throat> does that i always have to throw them away up nine times out of ten before when the flies start hitting and they're pretty, you know, black bananas and rotted, yeah. Uh, but yeah, that's what I got on the nose, real strong at first. Um, I got a little bit of cereal, like a cornflakes. Um, yeah, yeah. I get and a then, lot of that uh, with single malts, though. I noticed that my nose really jumps to cereal for some reason. On the palate, the first thing, like I, I sat there while we were watching uh, Inside Out with my daughter this evening, and I was like, "What is this flavor?" And it instantly popped in you my head. You asked her? You gave her a little <laughs> yeah, bit? I was like, hey, her? Aubrey, you're three and a half years old. What do you think this tastes like? Uh, green apple Jolly Rancher. Like, specifically Jolly Rancher. You know, it's got that, like, tangy rancher flavor. Yeah, well, not that's rancher, my favorite one. The green apple? The green apple is my favorite Jolly Rancher, for sure. Well, that's what I'm comparing this to, so... I will there say, go, too, to sort of digress off of the situation with your daughter, my daughter loves to nose whiskey. She hasn't tasted any yet, but sure. her nose at four years... We already found you drank in high school. Her, yeah, <laughs> well, and again, I already apologize for that, Brandon, but um, her nose at four years old is already pretty good. Um, yeah. So Mine just says oak. Yeah, she'll be like, is that marzipan? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> But no, she's very good she's at being dead. like, that's sweet, or that's, uh, you know, that's a little spicy. Or even one time she said, like, that smells like flowers. And I was like, yeah, oh. great job, kid. That's awesome. Yeah, my, my wife, uh, when she noses whiskey, after hearing us talk about all these great, you know, pastries yeah. and fruits, and she takes my sister, she's like, yeah, you're full of shit. That's my favorite is when people come in and like, Mm, I'm getting like grandma's apple pie. I'm like, what is grandma's apple pie a little bit? Come on, let's let's calm down a little bit <laughs> on these descriptions. It, it, it's crazy, and that's what we love to always talk about is everybody's got their own different palate, their own different notes that they can pull out of it, and that's what I think makes whiskey so unique and so fun because something that I may think is fantastic, Michael may spit on and vice versa. Mm -hmm. So We've had Brandon All-Star one, and I DFA'd it. Wow. We, we, yeah. So, but then, but then we've also, you know, agreed and concurred on, on the same. Um, but it's always fun to see how we vary on the same thing. So, Michael, we are here. We've tasted it. We've sniffed it. I'm getting a long, uh, I think, finish where I've got maple syrup to start, and then like I get that rye spice towards the back where it starts to tingle. But I circled down right away. This is 110 proof. It doesn't drink like a 110 to me. Oh, no, not at all. I, 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 would, I would guess this was like a bib more, you know, like, a, like a 100 proofer uh, at most, like 95. We talked to somebody who was like the smooth, they told us the number was 94. That was like what Pappy does, I think. 
They told us 94 was the magic number. And I mean, this is what this, this tastes, I, the note I have is this is just like a buttery smoothness to this. Um, not a buttery flavor, but like the, the way it envelopes your mouth and it's not thin. You don't drink it and it just goes right down your throat and, that, and it's done. It, this thing envelopes your mouth. And uh, we've done, we've, we, we, I mean, we are bourbon and baseball, but we've done a couple of whiskeys and single uh, malt and a couple scotches. And uh, so I have a couple on my shelf and I went and, and I think I did it my own little tasting with this guy. And this guy was the most complex of them. Um, I, 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 it gave me an appreciation for it. Because um, usually I, I'm I'm on the bourbon side of things, um, but after drinking, you know what I call my go my go-to cheap um, American whiskey, um, this thing knocks it knocks its socks off. It, that thing was flat compared to that. Um, I I pulled <laughs> in, had a little you know I don't that peatiness of what I call uh, whiskey will have a little bit, um, but this was more of a roller coaster where I I poured it in, had that buttery up front. Um, had that spiciness in the in the middle there, and then just finished out with an, that. I I can talk and it, and, it, and I I keep t- tasting it rather than talking. Have to take another sip. I've had this thing in front of me, and I'm still haven't still haven't crushed it because I don't have to. Um, and so I think having done that review board, I did. Um, I would go to this one again. I would give this guy an everyday player. And I too am going to go with an everyday player. I love the complexity. Uh, there's a roller coaster ride, so to speak, to this. I feel like you've got the American single malt up front, and then you start to pull in that rye. Uh, and then the flavor on the back end, to me, goes back to that American single malt. Uh, so you've got so many different directions, and you don't know where it's going. And each different sip, to me, I pull out something different. I get the rye from the mammoth. Uh, I get the sherry a little bit uh, from the Virginia. Very well done, gentlemen. Very well done, everyday Thank player. You. I appreciate Happy it. to be on the field, um, you know. <laughs> every day. <laughs> every, 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 more than I say for my actual athletic career. Uh, but, you know, glad, glad I made it. <laughs> yeah, I think, um, you know, the, the beautiful thing about volume two, well, and I'll say too, like, Chase and I have already mentioned that each volume of Borrowed Page is going to be different. What I think the goal is in terms of, you know, consistency is we want all of these releases to be bold we want them to be dynamic which is i think i'm I'm glad to hear both of you describe it a little bit as like a roller coaster because that means that those flavors are constantly changing and evolving and giving you something new from sip to sip and that's what's interesting to us we don't want to put out a release that's going to be one note or that's going to be flat we want it to be bold we want it to be big we want it to challenge your ideas about what American whiskey can be. Um, and I think both of them have, have succeeded in that. Um, and I'm excited for you guys to eventually, you should try to grab a bottle of volume one while it's still around. Cause mm-hmm. the sad thing about, and where can we find that? It's exclusively sold on our website. Uh, so mash the letter N grain.com. Um, it's also available on a handful of, of influencer websites as well. Like you can buy our products at, at one dude, Ryan's, uh, you know, website as well. I think it's also available at coming whiskey. Uh, there might be a few other stores that are getting it online soon. Um, but you know, 
we these are very these are super limited release. They're extremely small batch. We made about seven hundred bottles of volume one. We made the same number roughly of bottles of volume two, but then we added around three hundred bottles of that half size, the three seventy fives. Once they're gone, they're gone. Like Chase said, we're we're not interested in recreating them. So it's part of the uniqueness, but also you know somewhat sad that eventually there will be a time where you can't buy volume one anymore and you can't buy volume mm-hmm. two anymore. Um, you know, that they're going to retire, uh, you know, from being yeah, well, everyday players. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll go into the booth and start broadcasting. <laughs> they'll go into the booth. <laughs> yeah. um, no, I love that. that. I, go ahead, go, no, go ahead, Michael. I was just gonna say, I love that. Fa- I, I, you know, you, you, you said it can be kind of sad that like when you find a single barrel that you love and you just, well, uh, Brandon, you used a term in a, in a reel the other day. You were, you're, you're so sad or scared oh. to finish it. Um, but that's 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 the that's part of the whiskey world is you find that bot that good bottle and everyone's always searching for that bottle again, and that's part of the fun. I think. I was tasting. So, go ahead, Brandon. So before no. Brandon goes, uh, I so I bar- I work as a distiller at Denver Distillery here in Colorado. Um, and I also bartend there on Saturday nights right now. Denver distillery is the only bar in the world that has borrowed page behind the bar. Um, I can't sell it to you, but if you, if you like convince me that you're like a for real whiskey person, I will taste you on it for free. Uh, so I tasted some people on this a couple weeks ago at the bar and, Somebody just loved Volume One so much. They were like, "This is the greatest whiskey I've ever had." I'm not just saying that to like, you know, to my own yeah. horn, but I was like, "Yeah, man, like get a bottle." Like, I don't know how much longer they're gonna last. And he's like, "What do you mean?" And I was like, "Well, once this is gone, like we're not gonna <laughs> recreate it." And he was like, "You're not." And he spent like 20 minutes trying to convince me that like I shouldn't <laughs> do anything else but try to recreate Volume <laughs> One. He was like. He was like, "This is your money right here." <laughs> he's like, "He's like, <laughs> this you gotta is the, do this." This man. is your forward. He's like, "Just could, create like, see this. The this pa- is like the I, one yeah, line. Exactly this is right. called forward, and then the rest yeah. are borrowed page." Man, come on. He, I could see the panic in his eyes. <laughs> like, I hope he bought a couple bottles. <laughs> so the questions I was going to join and jump in with that. Hopefully, you've set some aside. So there will always be one bottle of each, or at least two bottles, one for each of you. Second question is, so we're through two volumes. When's number three? Um, there's definitely a couple set aside. I have I have bottles one and bottle one of both volume one and two on my on the top of my bar. Eventually, I will probably get like a shadow box or something made, at least for volume one. Um, mm-hmm. Chase Absolutely. Chase had bottle two of volume one. He better still have it. <laughs> I, I actually, I have his bottle, too, of volume two at my house. There you go. Look Only full bottle on the bar. <laughs> there it is. There it is. Proof, proof of life. Um, and I have a couple, I have a couple <laughs> bottles of volume one. And I think probably once, once I start seeing the sales numbers go and I'm like, we're down to like sub 100 of, of these bottles, I'll probably sw- swoop in and maybe buy another case or something um just so that like you know i can try i can taste people on it for a little bit longer um Mm -hmm. but yeah right now i I have to keep the i have to keep the stock at denver distillery 
you know, where it is because those bottles keep getting depleted pretty quickly. Well, that's good that's news. Awesome. I mean, people are asking for it or accepting the samples. Yeah. So don't skirt my other question. <laughs> where Where's volume three or when is volume three? <clears throat> When is volume three? The when yeah. is it? Go ahead, Chase. Yeah, the, 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 the when's a little uh, unknown at the time. Um, so Devin and I, we, we've gone through the concepting phase, right? We have kind of three and four conceptually figured out. We have not talked to the distilleries yet. Um, and we, we can tease it a little bit more. Um, but th- that's as far as we are right now. Um, our, our hope is to release uh, volume three uh, at a minimum before the end of the year. Um, you know, so, t- you know, we did one release in 2022. We're looking to do t- two releases in 2023 and then kind of watch the market. See, we, we, we don't want to scale too fast. Um, just, right. you know, uh, looking at kind of our cash flow and everything for the business venture. Um, so my guess at, at this moment in time would be uh, late Q3, early Q4 of 2023, but it's kind of a shot in the dark. And we don't know which of the two concepts we have in store is gonna be three and which is four yet. Oh, that's cool. I mean, it keeps you moving forward for sure. And it's I'm sure that's a fun process, right? Trying to develop and conceptualize this. Yeah, I'm really. That's the fun bit. That way, that's done. <laughs> Everything, <laughs> the logistics piece. Yeah, that's where I start to lose hair, and uh, and annoy Chase to no end. Is is, is all the hair. rest of it. Um, <laughs> that's why. That's why we're at. Yeah, luckily, I mean, I still I still got some something going on. But um, got some nice flow. But uh, yeah, I mean, volume. Th- I'm really excited for what my my primary hope for what volume three is. I'm really, really excited about it. Uh, the teaser that I have been giving out. So don't, you know, you're not the first person. So sorry about that. Um, uh, but the teaser that I've been giving people about volume three is if we go with the concept that is my favorite for the next release, which is not to say that it's better or worse than, than the other idea we have, it would require a distillery, that has previously said no to us for borrowed page mm. to come back to the table and say yes because of what the concept is this time. Um, so really excited about that if we can pull it off. Um, and then, yeah, like the hope is that eventually we'll get to a point where borrowed page is sort of like a bookers or something like that. It comes out three or four times a year, um, maybe like mm-hmm. quarterly, a new release comes out where we're at right now is a little bit of a bottleneck cash flow wise, like Chase said, uh, you know, we don't, we don't really make any money off of borrowed page. That's not really what the point Mm -hmm. of the project was anyway, but every every dime that we made off of volume one helped pay for volume two. So Mm -hmm. if you want to see volume three come out sooner rather than later, <laughs> go out there and buy buy borrowed page volume one and volume two help us get some extra you know dollars in the bank so that we can get that product out to you you know sooner that's what i'll say so again two things off of that because we're just branching off uh, one thing i'm totally cutting off the you're not the first person and i'm just going to get rid of not in the editing process so it's just going to say <laughs> we're the first person to hear this uh just kidding and then the second part is so you mentioned that you have had distilleries say no to you how what's the success rate like when you approach distilleries how is the response usually when it comes to asking them about the project and ab- about the concept 
We have been told no twice. Um, and I'll tell you without telling you who they are, because I'm still incredibly confident that I'm going to get them eventually. Um, mm-hmm. That's just the kind of person always that I am. Get the yes. It's yeah. like Barney from How Much Your Mother. I always get always the yes. Yeah. Well, and, <laughs> you know, I've been called a lot of things in my life. Um, I've been called persistent. I've been called determined. I've been called insufferable. <laughs> um, but I All will. All by your wife. I will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Mostly by my wife. <laughs> and Chase, the two closest people to me in my life. Um, but no, I. Uh, the person who called me insufferable was actually an old boss of mine, uh, and and a good friend of mine too. Um, but it was it, he meant it as a compliment, basically, because I just yeah. like never ever let anything go. Ever. Um, so I'm still incredibly confident that I'll turn those two no's that we got into yeses at some point. Um, the one person who told us no that I'm hoping to get back in for volume three or volume four, they've never sold their whiskey to anybody. And, uh, and he, you know, I spoke with him on the phone for about an hour and a half. It was an hour and a half conversation that, that ended in a no. Um, I understand you said no, but listen. Yeah, (laughs) but he did say that if they were to ever consider selling their whiskey to somebody, it would probably be us is what he ended the phone call with. So that's why I'm optimistic that I can reopen that door, especially now that we've, you know, this is this. Both of the no's were for volume one. And like I said before, I'm surprised they all didn't say no. Here were, here were Chase and I. We had been running the website for about a year and a half at that point. Um, that's it. You know, like I had worked for a couple yeah. distilleries. Chase had no, you know, whiskey production experience or anything. You know, Chase and I had never blended anything. Why? And, and here we were coming to these people, not just saying like, hey, we want to do a blend. But we were saying like, we want to do a blend like nobody else has ever done before. And we want to do it in a way that nobody has really done before. And we've, and we will put your, 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 your logo on everything. We're so gonna put your, it sucks. Yeah. Gonna know right where this whiskey came yeah. from. Yeah. <laughs> I honestly, I'm surprised that anybody said yes, but only two people said no. One I already said, the other one was a, was a, uh, an inventory issue. They just simply, they didn't have the, they didn't have barrels to sell us. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, and yeah, so I'm 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 confident now that we've sort of proven our worth to a certain extent and proven that we were actually able to make this crazy concept happen in real life. Um, something that I lost sleep over before Volume One came out because um, mm-hmm. it's such a cool idea. Like, let's make a blend that you know, altogether challenges the idea of what American whiskey is, but also highlights all of the individual components in a way where we can shine the light back on the, on these other distilleries. Like Mm -hmm. no, no evidence that that was going to work or be, be realistic. So, you know, I'm I'm hopeful now that we're two, two releases in and we've proven that it does work and that we can do it. Um, and that we can bring really cool people along like Anne and like Ryan to help us bring these things to life. Um, that we're going to have more and more distilleries wanting to be a part of these releases. Um, 
and that's just going to keep we opening have doors. so much clout out there that you guys are getting no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah well with our powers combined you know <laughs> uh michael you have anything um I, I, I wanted to get a little more baseball out of you guys. Uh, Mets fan, Yankees okay. fan, right? Who's your all-time favorite players? Derek Sanderson Jeter. It's his birthday <laughs> today. I did not know that. Yeah, there you go. June but 26th. That's awesome. Let's go. That was going to be part of my trivia question, but I said I can't just go solely Yankees. I've got to mix it up. So Yeah, but, you know, Derek Jeter, he really transcends – uh, just the single team of the Yankees. He's kind of, you know, but, everybody's yeah, yeah, totally overrated, Devin's right? moving his mic. Oh, I mean, I mean, I mean yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everybody. Yeah. Ah, there we go. <laughs> <laughs> the old World Series, Mike Piazza, thrown bat, Roger Clemens. So, love it. I'll give you a little insight into my Mets fandom. So, I live in a family of Mets fans. <clears throat> I was born in New York. Lived in New York for the first three and a half years of my life. <clears throat> Cut that part with the cough. Uh, but uh, I'm leaving it. No. Leave it in. It. Uh, no, grew up in New York. My family's Mets fans. My my sister even she she married into an even bigger Mets fan family. They've they've lived in Phew. Queens their whole life. Like you know. Oh wow. Um, when I was a little kid, when I was you know in kindergarten. I wasn't super into baseball at that point. You know, when I played... Chase was still when I, bullying you. When I, yeah, when I played Little League, I was, like, the one who, like, sat in the outfield picking flowers. Uh, the, only, the only catch that I made in Little League was because the ball hit me in the head and fell in my glove. And when I came in, my coach was <laughs> like, when I said use your head, that was not what I meant. Um Killing me, Smalls. Uh, so here, <laughs> here right I am. You know, I'm kindergarten. I finally got Chase to like me, and uh, Chase is a Yankees fan. This is also like roughly, you know, 1994, 19, you know, mm-hmm. so thereabouts. So the Yankees are pretty good. They're they're you know at the dawn of their of their empire of the time. Um, mm-hmm. So I said, you know what, I'm going to be a Yankees fan too. And I went home, and I was like, I'm a Yankees fan. And my dad was like, what? And I was like, I'm a Yankees fan. And so then you wipe <clears> the <throat> blood from your head and say, okay, yeah, I'll be a Mets fan. <laughs> but no, my parents were devastated, but they were also like, okay, like, whatever you want. And to be fair, like, I never watched a single Yankees game. But there was one day, and my parents were watching the Mets game, and I came in, I sat in the living room, and I watched this man come up to the plate and he had this like long flowy hair and a Fu Manchu and he just looked like the meanest dude that I had ever seen in my life and he hit a grand slam home run and it was the coolest most badass thing that I had ever experienced as a five-year-old six-year-old and then later that game he was you know he's the catcher and somebody comes to the plate and tries to knock him down and he holds onto the ball he takes off his helmet he's like bleeding out of his eyebrow and i'm just like this is the coolest dude i've ever seen i'm i'm a mets fan and i've never not been a mets fan since that moment and obviously that was mike piazza 
and then yeah, fast fast forward, and you've got all the great stuff with the broken bat with Clemens, and like, mm-hmm. you know, he's just I I you know I became a baseball player in in middle school and high school, and I became a catcher because of Mike Piazza, and um, yeah, I mean. He's the best. You know, he's definitely the greatest Met that I've seen play since becoming a fan in the in the mid nineties and um I mean, I mean he was on backyard baseball, two thousand oh, two. Yeah. That just tells you which I, he was one of the greatest. Which I played all the time and he was always on the team. <laughs> With the, ba- with the yes. backwards ba- baseball cap. Yeah, oh my God. Pablo? Did you just say Pablo? Yeah. <laughs> guy was so good. Yeah, backyard baseball. That game but was most- amazing. That's a that's a reference. I haven't thought about that game in so long. The absolute best player, though, was Pete. Yeah. Pete, the guy who was well, the redhead that was just... And, and there's Griffey mm-hmm. was good. And then mm-hmm. who was the other, who was the other catcher that had the nickname? Um, P- uh, Pudge. Pudge, yeah. yeah. Oh man, it's Kenny in the wheelchair could pitch like freaking Roger Clemens, you know. Yeah, and then the next, I feel like the <laughs> next iteration from backyard baseball was Wii baseball. That was the next. That was like, oh yeah, everybody who loved backyard baseball as a child then was in per, like perfect trajectory timeline wise for when Wii baseball came out in high school. Um, mm-hmm. I remember. Well, I probably shouldn't tell that story on on air. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> the best thing that I'll the Wii did though was because it put that wrist strap for for you know that so the Wii, the backyard baseball to Wii baseball went doing the swing. Good thing that wrist strap was there. Well, yeah, that's a part of the story that I can't tell on air, but I'll definitely tell you <laughs> off air. Uh, well, gentlemen, thank you for joining us. Uh, it's been great learning about American mashing grain. I know Michael had the same question I did. Uh, where does American mashing grain get its name? It's a phenomenal I love question. No first. Nobody <laughs> has asked that. Um, gosh, man, that's digging deep. You're, it, it was your dad, wasn't it, Devin? Was it? Sure. It's it's another one of those like we labored over the name for so long, and then we were just kind of like, oh yeah, fuck it, my dad, whatever the top of the charts. So, I think it was your dad just said, how about like stop overthinking it, just like say call it American Magic. Yeah, right that's now. totally right. Thank you for jogging that memory, man. That was so long ago. Um, but yeah, we were playing around with a ton of different names, and they all mm-hmm. had the same words: <laughs> American and grain and mash and. Uh, you know, there were probably barrels and, you know, everything that us whiskey people, you know, try to come up with. And, yeah, we just couldn't do it. And then, yeah, my, I think it was my dad that was just like, what about American Mash and Grain? And I was like, hey, that sounds really cool. <laughs> Although most people know us as Mash and Grain. Most people sort of mm-hmm. skirt past the American part. Because mm-hmm. that's where you are on Instagram, right? That's where we can find you? Yeah. yeah. So pretty much on all social media platforms, we're at mash the letter n grain so mash and grain and there's your segue to barrels n barrels because we put the n right in the middle so there's our parallels <laughs> get and that like once you said it earlier i was just like they're just like us yeah <laughs> regular people just, like, just us. like us um <laughs> last thing i do want to point out so the other two of us who are part of the podcast, we're both wearing our hats. We're both Cubs fans. We got Mets fans, Devin. You said you're a Yankee fan, Chase, but you're not wearing Yankees gear because you must not be proud of it. But you yeah. are wearing an LSU hat, and currently it looks like they're about to win the College World Series. Hey, top of the ninth, 15-4. Uh, 15-4? 
15 to 4. Um, close, so, close yeah, game. I like their chances. <laughs> uh, it's closer than uh, yesterday's game. 23 to 4? Is that what oh, I saw? Jesus. I think it was 24 the to 4. The Mets lost 2 1 to the Brewers. So, continuation <laughs> on a disappointing season. Cubs didn't lose today. Just saying they didn't play, but they didn't lose. <laughs> you know, it's it's hard to tell that uh, Michael is a Cubs fan, actually. Uh, you know, because it's. Yeah, what gave that away, right? I, it's, I don't know. It's it, His room is incredibly subtle. Um, you know. I, did, I don't want to give out my secret too much. <laughs> <laughs> For those of you who there don't you know, are. that's a joke, and you can find it on YouTube at Barrels and Barrels Pod. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm just Sammy a big Sosa ass tattoo. On the side of my body that says Chicago Cubs World Series champion. Uh, so I actually literally bleed cubby blue, but Michael just likes to show it off to everybody. Yeah, he just paints it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he just milks the it. The amount of yeah, text that, that I got back and forth wall, should I paint it this official. color? Should I paint this wall? Should I paint this wall? <laughs> no, it was which walls? It was which, how, how much of the walls should I paint? So the blue? amount of text that went back uh, and forth for well, Borrowed Page and your guys' ideas, that's kind of what we did for his whiskey room. <laughs> Probably for both volumes combined, <laughs> yeah. I would imagine. Uh, yeah. Gentlemen, again, <laughs> right. thank you. Uh, and we can find you guys online uh, on your website, which is your bread and butter. That's where everything started. And that's where we can find both borrowed pages. Uh, I think there's a bundle too, right? You can both you can buy both bottles online. Uh, so go check them out. Yep. American Mash and Grain. That is mashandngrain.com. Also, as Devin just mentioned, on social medias. You can find us on social media, YouTube, Instagram, and Facebook. That is at Barrels and Barrels Pod. We're on Twitter's Barrels and Barrels because Twitter's got a character limit. And then email us, barrelsandbarrels at gmail.com. Please rate us, review us, just like we rated and reviewed this whiskey. We're on Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Amazon, Google, and iHeartRadio Podcasts. Thank you again, Chase, Devin. It's been a pleasure having you on, getting to know more about you. Excited to see more about what goes on with American Mesh and Grain in the next couple of months, the next couple of years, as you're relatively young. And as you mentioned, Ballard Page, Volume 3, hopefully later on this year. So, gentlemen, thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Great having us. And of course, and we're going to end this the way we always end it. Michael, you have any uh, thoughts or... Things for our friends, family, viewers, Chase, Devin. Let's go.